Good morning. You guys doing good? Hey, can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Say that we love you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for everybody who's here this morning. I ask that your presence would fill this place. I ask that your tangible anointing would rest upon me as I deliver your word. And Lord, you would rest upon your sons and daughters as they they receive from you. I pray, Lord, that I would say things I didn't plan on saying, and people would hear things that I don't even say. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way this morning, that Jesus would be glorified, and we would leave empowered and more like you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, hey, can we just give our singers, our worship team a hand just for leading us? Thank you guys so much. It's, uh, it's an honor to be with you guys again. This is my third time uh, with y'all uh, this summer, and it's always a joy to come back here. I say it every time I come now that I am family now, whether you like it or not. And uh, so this is my third time this summer. I read somewhere that God likes to save his best wine for last. So I'm believing for that, that we'll, we'll kind of finish with a bang, at least my time with you. But man, didn't you love hearing that testimony from Joan? Let's just thank the Lord for that one more time. I just love what you guys are doing through City Quake and Aftershock and the testimonies. Because how many of you know that the kingdom of God and the presence of God is not meant to be contained in the four walls of the church? but we're called to release it into the marketplace, into schools, into cities, into regions, until entire areas are transformed by the love and power of God. And uh, so that's what I'm about. And uh, we're gonna jump into the word in a minute, but I just wanna say that my beautiful wife, Anna, is with me today. Why don't you wave at everybody? Some of you have been wondering if she's real um, because I talk about her every time I come, but she's actually here with me today and our three girls are in kids' church and uh, they're really excited to be here. Um, But I just want to, speaking of my wife, Anna, um, I've talked about this with you before, but we have a few copies of her book out in the lobby, or we will um, at the end of the service called Embracing Mystery, uh, A 21-Day Journey of Hope. How many of you have read this? already. Just raise your hand if you've read this book. Awesome. A few of you. Um, so we, we keep getting testimonies of how people that are reading this are just getting their minds renewed with the goodness of God and um, receiving a fresh measure of hope in their own heart. How many of you know hope's a big deal? In Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I like to define hope as a joyful, confident expectation that good things are coming because we have a good God. And uh, so how many of you could use um, some, just another, just a, a hope injection this morning? Who wants this book that doesn't have it? Okay, this lady right here, somebody want to give that to her? Um, awesome. All right. Bless you with that. All right, so um, speaking of books, my wife has another book coming out. I just want to mention, she just wrote a children's book, and I think we have a picture of it um, for the screen. She just wrote a children's book called You Were Made to Create. This is really good. Illustrations, really, really good. And uh, it's all about creativity and how we're all made in the image of God and therefore are called to create things that bring glory to God. 
And let me just say this. This is a children's book, but let me just say it for all of us, um, uh, you know, that are a little bit older than kids. How many of you know that creativity looks different among everybody? And we get in trouble when we compare our creativity with somebody else's. You might not be a musician or a painter, but it doesn't mean you're not called to be creative in whatever it is that God's called you to do and be. So, and you're called to release the creative power of God in your place of work, in your family, in the way that you do life. So that's coming out sometime in August. You can just kind of um, follow us on social media for updates on that. And uh, I, have, I have a book coming out that this has been a long time in the making called um, Kingdom Perspectives. Um, it's a little hard to see on that screen, seeing yourself, others, and the world through the lens of heaven. And this is just a compilation of a lot of my life messages with questions at the back. It's, it's meant to be used in groups or as individuals. And that should be out probably sometime mid to late July if not the beginning of August, so you can just kind of watch for that. Follow us on uh, social media. Um, marministries.com is a, a website that's being revamped right now. And we just want to invite you to follow our journey because some of you know we've been in transition and uh, we really feel the Lord stirring some fresh just vision and ideas um, for ways that we can practically impact the body of Christ really all over. So just follow us and stay tuned for some of that stuff. Sound good? All right. Well, hey, I'm going to share one of my favorite things to talk about. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 33. If you're looking for it in your Bible, just go to the book of Genesis, the first book, and then turn right. <laughs> it's not far after that. Exodus 33. And verse 12, by the way, it's so good to see our friends, Bill and Karen Mosley. Um, why don't you guys wave at everybody? They are incredible. Um, we've known them for years and they're here um, with us as well. So say hi to them at some point. All right, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 12. Just to lay a little bit of a context, Moses has been leading the people of Israel. He's led them out of Egypt. They've seen God do extraordinary things, miracles as he's led them um, uh, on their journey. But then in Exodus 33, starting in verse 12, we read about an encounter that Moses has with God, and it says this. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, Show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14, and he, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Verse 18, and he, Moses, said, please show me your glory. Then God said, I will make all my goodness... Pass before you, 
and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Then the Lord said this, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. If you read on, we, we find out that God does this very thing. He takes Moses, he basically puts him in a cave, covers him with his hand, and then it says that he just caused his back to pass over Moses, just in other words, a portion of who he is. And it says that after this encounter with God, Moses came off of the mountain and the glory of God was so tangible, visible, literally shining off the face of Moses that it said that Israel couldn't even stand to look at him and Moses had to put a veil over his face just to be around the people of Israel. Now, this would be crazy to see. Moses comes down off the mountain. They're like, Moses, you are like shining like the sun. We can't even look at you. You need to cover your face. So picture me as this veil over his face as he's talking to God's people. This is crazy. And when I, when I read New Test, Old Testament or New Testament accounts, supernatural encounters with God, I want us to keep in mind that this isn't just some nice mythology or Bible story, but this is, this is the word of God. This actually happened to the man called Moses. And when he came off of the mountain, the glory of God was so tangible, they literally couldn't even look at him. Well, I have good news because in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 7, the apostle Paul in the new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ, how many of you are thankful we're in a new covenant? Not a covenant of works, but a covenant of grace. Not a covenant of trying to earn God's approval, but a covenant of just receiving his free grace. So I am just perfect in God's sight through the blood of Jesus Christ that I'm fully accepted by the Father. And Paul compares the glory of the old covenant with the glory of the new covenant. Everybody say new covenant that you and I are now a part of. And he said this, but if the ministry of death, being the law that Moses received, written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel couldn't even look steadily at his face because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Listen to this. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation, the law that Moses received, had glory, the ministry of righteousness, everybody say righteousness, exceeds much more in glory. Can we just thank Jesus just for the reality that in him we have, we have access to the glory of God in a way that passes even what Moses experienced. And here's the deal. I want to talk for a few minutes, just until about 3 p.m. I'm, I'm kidding. On what it looks like to live a supernatural lifestyle. And I love that testimony Joan shared and that testimonies of aftershock because that just sets me up. And I believe this is a message that is just going to help you to continue on this journey of being a supernatural people. Because how many of you know that as sons and daughters of God, we're not called to be normal? In fact, we're called to introduce a new normal in the earth. That we're not called to be normal, we're called to be supernatural. 
I was talking about this earlier in the pre-service huddle. You know, in one of his letters to the church, Paul rebuked the church for acting like mere humans. <laughs> because we know that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul said this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Then it says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the, that word new is the Greek word kainos, and it means novel, extraordinary, never before seen. That's who you are as a son and daughter of God filled with the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And listen, when we get a hold of this, we start to realize we don't just pray for revival, we become revival. And therefore, everywhere we go, we don't just pray for an open heaven. We are an open heaven. I say this all the time. In Psalm 24, it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Why? That the king of glory may come in. Now, when's the last time you saw a gate with a head on it? He's talking about you and me. Like, we are the gates of heaven. Lift up your heads, O ye gates of heaven. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, with a joyful, confident expectation that God is good and good things are gonna happen. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Why? That the king of glory may come in. Come in where? Come into the earth. Heaven breaking into earth through sons and daughters of God as we tap into the reality that we're called to live a supernatural lifestyle. So I wanna share four keys with you this morning for what it looks like to live a supernatural lifestyle. And the first key that I wanna share is this. We need to be a people who are hungry for his presence. Everybody say God's presence. I love that, that song that we were singing earlier. We just, I want more of you, I want more of you. And listen, even in the old covenant, Moses started to tap into this. And he said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send us from here. Moses, like in, in, in the Chuck version of the Bible, it basically says, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm just gonna stay home and play Xbox because I don't wanna just go through the motions without your presence. The church needs the fullness of God empowered by the Holy Spirit to put his power on display. And we need to be a people who are just hungry for his presence. That even when we sense his presence, we're like, oh Lord, there must be more. And what does that look like? It means that we're a people that cultivate a love for and an awareness of his presence, not just on Sunday morning, but on Tuesday morning when we're on our way to work. On Wednesday morning when we wake up and we're feeling tired and we haven't had our coffee yet, that the first thing we wanted to do, even as we get our coffee and as we get ready for our day, is just spend some time in his presence or whenever it is. During your, your break, I remember when I was like, when I was a, a fairly new Christian um, in Canada, where I'm from, and there was an outpouring of my Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, I realized that we can, we can experience his manifest presence, not just at church when we gather together, but I can experience his presence in my bedroom when I'm all by myself and nobody else is looking. And do you remember these little silver circles called compact discs, CDs? I, would, I was like 16, 17 years old. I would put that on, an old worship, like a worship, a worship band, and I would play this worship music in my room, and I would just get alone with God. And I would just say, come, Holy Spirit, and I would wait, and he would come. 
How many of you know that the Bible says in Matthew 7, if we ask, we'll receive. Say, God, just come. Let your presence just fill my room. Rest upon me. And I would wait on him and he would come and he would fill me. And sometimes I would just lay on the floor in God's presence for hours as he just washed over me with his love and his presence. And I was marked with a hunger for the manifest presence of God. Now I've been saved for I don't know how many years and, and I am still just hungry for more. I am, I am, listen, I'm thankful for everything that I've experienced, but I'm hungry for more. Why? His presence is everything. And Moses said, if your presence doesn't go, don't even send us because it's your presence that sets us apart from all the other people that are on the earth. What does it look like to be a people of his presence? I mean, I love stories of some of the great revivalists of old. There's stories of Charles Finney, who is one of the great evangelists, preachers, and one of the catalysts for the great awakening. He was a lawyer who got radically saved, filled with the spirit of God. And it said that he was so filled with the hunger for the presence of God and, and, and the fear of the Lord that he would just walk into a factory filled with grown men working, rough around the edges, people that didn't even know Jesus. He would just walk into the factory and men would start falling down on their knees, weeping in repentance, giving their life to Jesus. Without, a, without him even saying a word. Why? Because when we're people of his presence and we realize we're filled with him and he rests upon us, we carry him with us everywhere we go. There's stories of Smith Wigglesworth back in the 1920s, one of the, one of the Pentecostal preachers in, in the United Kingdom in England. There's a story about him walking onto a train just filled with the presence of God. He didn't say a word. He just walked onto a train and, and, he, and he walked on and he sat down beso- beside a guy that didn't know Jesus. And this guy was so agitated by, that, by the presence of God that was on Smith that he got up and he said, you convict me of my sin. And he got up and he walked to the back of the train and sat somewhere else. True story. It's, it's being a people of his presence that caused the apostle Peter so filled with an awareness of the presence of God that it says in book of Acts that he would just go out into the streets and people would just get in his shadow and they would be healed. Now, I don't think that was his literal shadow like you see mine right there. Like if I can just get in just the right angle, I could get No, it was the overshadowing presence of God that surrounded Peter that if people just got close enough to him, they would be healed. Well, how many of you know that it's not just Jesus or the 12 apostles, or people that stand behind a pulpit and preach that are called to be carriers of his presence, but we are in a new covenant that is a covenant of the priesthood of all believers where every one of us are carriers of his presence. But we're called to be stewards that hunger after more of him. And we'll spend time getting to know him, asking his presence to touch us in tangible ways. And listen, I believe America and the nations of the earth are stepping into the greatest revival and awakening and outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the world has ever seen. And it's going to come through people who are hungry for his presence. Everybody say, I'm hungry for his presence. Just lift your hands out to heaven right now like this. 
Just There's nothing magical about it, but as a prophetic act to say, Lord, I'm hungry for more of you. And Father, before I even go any further, I pray that you would mark people all over this room with a hunger for more of your presence. Lord, we're thankful for everything we've tasted, but we say we're hungry for more. And your word says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So I pray that you would release supernatural encounters with the love and power of God all over this room that we might carry it with us everywhere we go. In Jesus' name. So we need to be a people that are hungry for his presence. Here's the other key to living a supernatural lifestyle. It's really, really simple, but really, really important. If we're to be a supernatural people or to live a supernatural lifestyle, we need to be a people who believe in his goodness. Everybody say goodness. Listen, Moses said, God, show me your glory. And how did God respond? I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. Why? Because God's glory is his goodness on display. How many of you know that God is better than you think he is? And as soon as you think you have a revelation that he's good, he's like, I'm actually way better than that. And let me just say this. Here's a little theology 101. I believe that truth is concealed in the Old Testament, but it's revealed in the New. God is real in the Old Testament, but we don't see a full expression of who he is until we see the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, the entire Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. And it says in the Bible that even angels have longed to peer into the mysteries of Christ. So if you want to know what God's like and how good he is, you just need to look at the person of Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews knew this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it says this, the son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. You want to know what God's like? Just look at Jesus. In John 14, one of the disciples named Philip came to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, we've been following you for a while, and we love what you're doing, but I got a question. When are you going to show us the Father? Remember that? And Jesus said, Philip, have you been with me this long and you don't understand yet that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? You want to know what the Father's like? Look at Jesus. He healed every person that came to him. You never find Jesus turning somebody away and saying, I know I healed those people, but I'm going to let you hang on to your sickness because it's teaching you humility. It's teaching you perseverance. So you just hang in there. This is my gift to you. But a lot of the church has created theologies to, to make us feel comfortable with our lack of experience instead of allowing our experience to catch up with what the word of God says is available. If you pray for somebody and they don't get healed, the issue isn't with God. That doesn't mean that we should become introspective and condemned and think, well, I don't have enough faith. What's wrong with me? No, we just go back to the secret place and say, God, I, I believe you're good. I love your presence. I pray for more of you. I don't know why that person didn't get healed, but I believe you're good. And I pray that you would just help me to become more aware of your presence and your goodness. And if we always come back to his goodness and what the truth says about him, you'll start to see more and more breakthrough. 
But listen, if we're to be a supernatural people, we need to believe that he's good. Otherwise, we're going to pray jacked up prayers. You go pray for somebody that might have a broken leg, and you'd be like, God, I just pray that if it's your will. See, right there, as soon as you question his will to heal them, you allow double-mindedness to come in. But if we are persuaded that it's always God's will to heal, then we'll expect people to be healed. Listen, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Then what did he say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught the apostles to pray heaven to earth. And when heaven touches earth, everything that's not of heaven's realm has to bow its knee to a greater reality. And the reality is found in the person of Jesus. And listen, I believe we're coming into an hour where the kingdom of God is gonna break into the kingdoms of the earth like we've never seen before. Listen, what would it be like to have such a revelation of the goodness and power of God that you walk into a hospital and an entire hospital wing gets emptied out because they're healed under the presence of God? Listen, we, we read about the apostles of, 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 the, of, of the book of Acts turning cities upside down. We, re, we, we read about Jesus coming to a city and, and the whole city coming to hear him, him, him just raising the dead, healing, like holy chaos breaking out and turning cities upside down. Well, did you know that Jesus said, he who believes in me, the same works I did, he will do. And then he said this, and even greater works, say greater works, because I go to the Father. Like there's an invitation for more and there's an invitation for us to be a supernatural people. And it's people that, that, that hunger for his presence, that believe in his goodness. And, this, and the third key that I wanna share is this. If we're gonna be a supernatural people, we need to be a people that talk about his power. Everybody say talk of his power. And, and what am I talking about when I say talk of his power? I'm talking about the power of the testimony. As, as God's sons and daughters, we need to focus more on what God is doing than what the devil's doing. We need to focus more on what God's doing than what it seems like he's not doing. Because how many of you know that what you focus on will increase? Let me try this side of the room over here. <laughs> how many of you know that what you focus on increases? And, and the more we steward the testimony by talking about it, by celebrating it, by sharing it on our social media, whatever, that not only is God glorified, not only does it release faith into other people to see same things happen, but when we share testimonies, we're actually prophesying that God's going to do it again. In Revelations, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When I share a testimony, listen, if I pray for somebody and their back's healed and I come up before you and I'm like, listen, I just prayed for somebody on the way here and their back got completely healed. Do you know what I just did? I just prophesied God's gonna heal backs today. God's gonna heal backs in this room because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. One of the Hebrew root words for the word testimony means to do it again. So when we share a testimony, we're prophesying he wants to do it again. That's why sometimes when we, um, 
By the way, there's somebody here this morning, you have sharp pain in your lower back. It's kind of even into your tailbone and it kind of hurts to sit for a long period of time. Who is that? That's you? With, 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 does it hurt right now? No? But sometimes you sit for a long period of time and it hurts right in your tailbone. Yeah. See, that's what you call a word of knowledge. Like God just, I felt that. And uh, so the Lord wants to release healing to you. Let's just stretch your hands toward her. Father, I take authority over this back pain and I say, never come back in the name of Jesus. I even release right now a supernatural fire into your tailbone in the name of Jesus and into your back that it would leave and it would never come back in the name of Jesus. And by the way, I hear the Lord saying that some things that happened over the past three years, the Lord's turning it all around and he's redeeming it and he's restoring. And in, in, in three years from now, I feel like the Lord's saying that he's gonna restore the everything the enemy has stolen because there is redemption, there is restoration, and he's making all things new. And I just release restoration and restitution into your life in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Yeah. But there's power in the testimony. When we, when we share, we just need to talk about it. We need to celebrate it. Listen, if you want to see people healed of cancer when you pray for them, steward the testimony when somebody's healed of a headache. You pray for somebody and their headache's healed, don't be like, well, it was just a headache. Go, no, that's amazing. God just healed their headache. Because see, what we steward, he who's faithful and little will be given much. So that's why there's power in the testimony. Like, listen, remember David? When David fought Goliath? He goes to fight this giant, this giant who's like, David's not even old enough to be in the army. He stumbles upon the, 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 uh, the, the, battle, the battle line where Israel's lined up to fight the Philistines. They're scared to fight this giant named Goliath. David's not even old enough to be in the army. He comes to bring his brother's lunch and he hears this giant taunting and mocking God and the people of God. And David's like, who's gonna take this guy out? And and everybody's afraid to fight him. David goes to Saul. He's like, listen, and, and what did he do? The first thing David did is he tapped into the power of the testimony. He said, listen, King Saul, when I'm a shepherd and when I'm out in the field and a, a lion or a bear tries to take one of the sheep, the power of God comes on me and I, 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 like, I fight that lion or I fight that bear supernaturally and I take them out. And then he said this, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. He was... He was feeding on the faithfulness of God. In Psalm 37, I think it's verse, uh, Psalm 37, verse, um, three. It's in the Bible. David said, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. You want to be encouraged. You're going through a discouraging time. You're encouraged about things. Start to feed on God's faithfulness. How do you feed on his faithfulness? You remember the testimony. God was, remember when this happened, God was faithful. When, remember when you were facing, like there's somebody here, you're, you're facing some relational difficulties in the family, and it's all consuming right now. And, 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 I, and I feel this right now. It's all consuming. And I feel like the Lord's saying, remember when you faced similar things before and how I turned it around and came through. That's feeding on his faithfulness. Remember that, focus on that 
and know that the God that did it then will do it again. Okay? That's why testimonies are so important, is that we focus more on what God's doing. And, and listen, that's why it's so important. And I love this is a house that stewards the testimony. You love to share testimonies. You love to say, okay, who is a testimony? By the way, if you're asked to share a testimony, it doesn't mean get up and preach a sermon. <laughs> it doesn't mean get up and, uh, you know, talk for 10 minutes about your past and then say, but God healed me in Jesus' name. No, it means to bring glory to God, share a little bit about what was happening before and then share what God did for you and give glory to him. And there is power in the testimony. Listen, if you're feeling discouraged, just jump online and type in like Google healing testimonies or go to Bethel Redding's website or go to somebody's social media where they're sharing testimonies and just focus more on the good news, what God's doing. Listen, if you want to get discouraged, just turn the news on for 10 minutes. You want to be encouraged, focus on the good news that God is doing all over the world that the enemy doesn't want you to know about, but feed on his faithfulness and see God bring breakthrough through your life. Everybody say testimony. The fourth key that I want to share is this. If we're going to be a supernatural people, we need to be a people who release his love. That don't just keep it in the four walls of the church, but step out and release it everywhere we go. Some of you saw I posted a video. I've been, first of all, I have a confession, and that is that I've been going to McDonald's lately. I know, I just, I, I felt, I, I, I can feel the judgment right now. I can, but listen, I hardly eat food there. It's for like an iced tea and they're unsweet, okay? And I get it half cut, so just a little bit sweet, okay? And um, they know me now, so I come in and they just go, they give me a discount. <laughs> How pathetic is that? By the way, I don't know what it is, but like I started going in and an iced tea, a large iced tea through the summer or any soft drink at McDonald's. Don't look at me like you don't go to McDonald's. Come on, it says three billion served. Like somebody in here is going, all right? So... I, I go to McDonald's and uh, and it's like a dollar eight for like a large. I'm like, that's amazing. Like Starbucks is like twenty dollars. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a dollar eight. I'm like, I'll do this all day. And it's like I'm not drinking coffee, but it's some caffeine and I get it half sweet and I like I'm I'm doing that. But they've been messing with their prices, like it's a dollar eight, and then I go in and it's like a like a dollar ninety-five, then I go to a different McDonald's and it's a dollar sixty-five. I'm like, what is going on? But I'm like, oh well, it's less than two dollars. But this one that I've been going to regularly always sees me coming, so they give me like the employee discount. It's always a dollar eight, and uh, I go in anyway. I'm at McDonald's. I get my tea, and I'm leaving, and um, and I see these two men sitting there by themselves, and I just felt this nudge of the Holy Spirit to go talk to them. So I go over, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm like, um, I'm like, can I? I like this might sound crazy, but I'm a Christian. I feel like I was supposed to ask, can I pray for you for anything? And it turns out it was uh, a father and a son, and it was a father and a son. And the son said, can you pray for my son? Here's what's crazy. All three of them had the same name. It was like Roman. He's like, my name's Roman. This is Roman. Can you pray for my son, Roman? <laughs> I'm like, sure, what's going on? And the son of the two said, my son, Roman, injured his ankle. Can you pray for him? I said, absolutely. So I just prayed right there on the spot. I'm like, can you pray right now? He's like, yeah, prayed, prayed healing over his ankle. Turns out he's a Christian. He's like, thank you so much for doing that because I'm, I'm a Christian and I like to encourage people and you just encouraged me to encourage people everywhere I go. So that, that alone was worth it, you know, and get to encourage him and pray for Roman. But see, we're called to just be sensitive to the spirit and step out, whether it's a word of encouragement, pray for healing. Um, I love that. I love Joan's testimony, praying for that, that young man and uh, 
them getting healed and them rededicating their life to Jesus. Like it's what I call giving God something to work with. If, you, if you'll step past the chicken line, by the way, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's just not allowing fear to tell you what to do. Listen, myself and some of the greatest evangelists out there still get scared. They still feel nervous. They're human. They just don't allow it to stop them. And I, even if I feel nervous, I walk up to them like I'm the most confident person in the world. Because if I like, even if I feel nervous, but I, and, I, and, if, and if I walk up, I'm like, um, excuse me, uh, they're gonna be like, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> like, your feeling uncomfortable will make them feel uncomfortable. But if you just walk up and by faith, be the most confident person in the world, and here's the key, be as normal as possible. Like, be normal. I mean, you're already kind of weird because you're gonna talk to them about this, but, but make your weirdness normal. I'm like, hey, man, this might sound crazy. I'm a Christian, and when I pray for people, God heals them. Do you have anything I can pray for you for? And uh, he told me, prayed for him. And I just try to do this as a lifestyle. Let's do it with our servers at restaurants. Let's do it in the workplace. Let's do it everywhere we go. And let's not, let's not just do it when we go on an outreach. Let's just be an outreach. Everywhere we go, the workplace, the grocery store, drive throughs Man, I remember... I was going through a drive-thru with a friend who, uh, who moves in, in this, who like, loves for God. To, we just pull up to a drive-thru and ordering our food. We're on our way to church. And he goes, and he goes, did you just apply to go to the Navy recently? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm going in such and such. He goes, awesome. He goes, the Lord just showed me that. He just wants you to know that you're on the right track. He's setting you up. And we're like, thanks for our food. See ya. Like just little things like that, being sensitive to God's voice, we get to sow little seeds of the kingdom everywhere we go. And listen, you never know where your sowing of a seed or healing the sick or giving somebody a word is gonna you know, set on fire the next Billy Graham that will shake nations. And listen, even if they're not healed right there on the spot, sometimes miracles, usually miracles are instant, healing can be progressive. Jesus prayed for two lepers, and it says, as they went, they were healed. Even they weren't instantly healed. It says, as they were on their way home, they're like, oh my gosh, it's dis- my, my leprosy's clearing up. So I, wanna, I don't know how many times people have been healed later. I remember one time I was, uh, this is years ago, I was, I was living in Canada. I was leading this Bible study like in the kind of uptown part of my city, and there's people from all walks of life were coming. It was, it was crazy in this, this Bible study. And, um, I, and this young man visited, and uh, he, as, as we were leaving, um, I noticed that his foot was, like, turned in about 45 degrees. And I'm like, hey, man, what's wrong? And he said, oh, it's from uh, muscular dystrophy. He basically had it from birth, and as a result, his, his foot was turned in, and he always walked on kind of the, the side of his foot, so it was all callous on that side from where he, where he walked on the side of his foot, and it was turned in 45 degrees. I'm like, bro, and I just, I, I just, you know, got back from these revival meetings in Florida, and I was like, dude, we just saw God do crazy things. Can I pray for your foot right now? He's like, sure. I pray a simple prayer. I don't feel goosebumps. I don't feel the cloud of glory over me. I just believe that he's good. And when we pray, things happen. You might be like, well, what if nothing happens? And I like to say, well, what if it does? 
And I, so I just pray for him, and I pray a simple prayer that God would heal him. Nothing happened at the, at the moment. The next morning, I get an email, and he said, Chuck, I need to tell you something. I said, yeah. He said, remember you prayed for me? I said, yeah. He said, and you told me, just keep thanking Jesus for my healing. I said, yeah. He said, well, the next, today, I, sa- I was just sitting on my countertop saying, Jesus, thank you for my healing. Thank you that you're healing my foot. And he said, before my eyes, I watched my foot completely straighten out, 45 degrees since he can remember, straightened out before his eyes, the callus disappeared and he had brand new skin down the side of his foot. Can we just thank the Lord for that? Why? Because we're called to be a supernatural people that are naturally supernatural, that put his love and power on display every single place that we go. And just in summary, if we're going to be supernatural people, we need to be a people that are hungry for his presence. We need to be a people who believe in his goodness. God wants to heal people and move through you even more than you want him to. So a key there, by the way, is let's not beg God to do things assuming that we have more compassion than he does. Let's just align our hearts with the fact that he's good. Expect him to move and just believe that he's just letting us be a part of it. Number three, let's be a people that talk of his power, keeping testimonies before us, feeding on his faithfulness. And let's be a people that release his love everywhere we go. And New Life Church, I want to give you a little bit of homework this time. And here's your homework. I know some of you are doing aftershock, so you're doing this anyway. But I want to encourage every single person in this room to step out to minister to at least one person outside of the church this week. Could be a word of encouragement. Could just be sharing your testimony with somebody, what God's done for you. Could be praying for a sick person in the grocery store, whatever. Ask God to highlight somebody for you to minister to. And then listen, because he will. And when he does, step out and believe that he's going to move through you. Have more faith in the Holy Spirit than in your own ability. And allow him to use you. Sound good?